the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Good morning, everyone. I uh, hope uh, you're having a fabulous day. This is uh, Let Us Reason, if you just tuned in. And uh, I'm Al Fadi, and we thank you again uh, for allowing us to stay on the air for such a long time. And we pray that your partnership will continue. Obviously, many of you pray for us. And uh, I also thank those of you who have chosen even to sacrifice financially. And you can always go to our website, sirainternational.com, to learn more about our ministry and to even uh, access the archived show, Let Us Reason, along with the videos. And you can even watch the videos at our channel, in U- uh, YouTube channel, I should say, which is uh, Sira International. We encourage you even to subscribe to receive notifications of any new releases. And you can go to our Facebook page, uh, which is Sira uh, uh, International, and another page as well uh, called The Al-Fadi, my personal page, uh, which is alfadi.sira, which has been under extreme assault by Facebook themselves. Uh, they've been blocking me for sharing the truth. Uh, I guess the truth does hurt feelings, and supposedly the artificial intelligence at Facebook does not like it because their feelings are hurt as well. Nevertheless, we are going to fight the fight, the good fight, as the scripture says, and keep moving forward. We are not going to let the enemy of the gospel to bring us down and use tools uh, as Facebook and others to discourage us. And if you've uh, joined us last week, uh, you would have heard a wonderful, uh, basically, uh, interview with a dear brother, uh, Matt Slick, who is the president and founder of the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, also known as CARM, C as in Charlie, C-A-R-M, and the website is karm.org, a fabulous resource for those who likes apologetics or even for anyone who wants to know how to articulate a response to any and many of these questions that we receive, whether from a Muslim, from a Mormon, from Jehovah Witness, from an atheist, or from even from among the Christians themselves questioning certain things or seeking clarifications. Now, last week, uh, uh, Matt basically talked about how to articulate the doctrine of the Trinity, and he did a fabulous job in such a short period of time, actually. I thought he did an amazing, uh, uh, basically, way of explaining it, and you can always go to his own website, karm.org forward slash Trinity, and in there, uh, there is a chart that he put together uh, to discuss uh, the uh, equality between the members, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, why are they God? Uh, why we do we call them omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and so on and so forth? 
Today, I, uh, we have our dear brother with us uh, again, uh, Matt Slick, the founder, the president and founder of the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, and we are going to tackle one, possibly two other topics. So with that, I would like to welcome uh, our uh, brother Matt again uh, to the studio. How are you, brother? I'm doing all right, because great. Thanks for having me on again, brother. Appreciate it. Absolutely, and uh, hopefully this is just the beginning of many, many future shows that we will end up doing together uh, related to a variety of topics. Uh, Obviously, our show is geared more towards Islamic apologetics and Islamic outreach, but you bring uh, a lot of fabulous tools to the table. Today, uh, brother, uh, I want you to talk about what you termed as humanism in the Christian church. And uh, why don't you go ahead and give an intro to that topic and really share with us uh, your concerns uh, uh, when it comes to this topic? Uh, humanism is uh, a really important issue. Uh, the more I study apologetics, and I've been doing this for 38 years, the more I'm convinced that there's only two religions in the world, Christianity and the humanist philosophies that take different forms. And I want to introduce it by looking at Genesis 3, 1 through 7, and it, it'll relate to the topic of Islam as well. Now, check this out. That's what it says. Now, uh, now the serpent, that's the devil, was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The first thing he does is doubt God's word. Has God said? He's asking questions. Did he really say that? Now, what all false religions do is attack the Bible. You have to attack the Bible, the word of God, in order to get something else said. And we know that Islam teaches that uh, the Bible's been corrupted. Now, in verse 2 of Genesis 3, the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. Well, if you read and study, you find out that God did not say, or touch it. She added the words. Now, we could talk about that. We don't have a whole bunch of time, but I'll just skip it. But the point is, the first thing that happens is God's word is doubted. The next thing that happens is God's word is modified. No, that's the Quran. The modification of God's Word, the Book of Mormon, uh, the Jehovah's Witness uh, New World Translation. The Word of God is changed, it's altered. The serpent then said to the woman, you shall not die. Now, the Word of God is contradicted. So how it works is, first of all, uh, the Word of God is doubted, the Word of God is altered, a different way of saying the Word of God, and then the result is the contradiction of the Word of God. And he says, now, Satan's in the teaching, for God knows that the day that you eat, or that your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman, now this is verse 6, is really important. This is where humanism is. Humanism is man-centeredness, based on our feelings, our understandings, our preferences. This is what happens. When the woman said that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, these are all experiences, these are all things we desire, we want, our sensibilities, okay? It says, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, this is the heart of humanism in verse 6, in Genesis 3, 6. The idea of judging the truth of God's word, the truth of all things, by our own experiences and desires. Now, look at the result of this. This is verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. The fig leaves represent their own works. And the pre-incarnate Jesus came into the garden, removed those fig leaves, and covered them with animal skins, the shedding of blood. And the forgiveness of sins is prophesied here, its representation. So, 
real briefly, humanism is man-centeredness, not God-centeredness. And the man-centeredness takes different forms, even though they say they believe in God. And what we see here is that when someone looks at truth, God's truth, in the Word or in the world, and judges truth by what they feel in any way, shape, or form, the result is that they cover themselves with their own works and try and justify themselves before God by their own effort. That's what verse 7 says. And this is humanism. It's in the Christian Church. It's in Islam. It's in all false religious systems. Humanism is the denial of the sufficiency of God's Word, the place of God's sovereign kingship, in all things, in all ways, where we remove from him that, change his word, add the word to him, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, whatever it might be, and then we get to say, uh, we say that God says other things. That's the basis of humanism. It's rampant in the world. Okay? Wonderful, wonderful, brother. And uh, obviously, um, this is a huge topic. Um, I can see that on your website, you dedicated a number of uh, uh, posts and uh, to describe it and to discuss it. And one of them is called "Is Secular Humanism Superior to Christianity." Uh, what did you mean by that, by the way? Well, secular humanism is a recognized religion in America. I've been a debate with an atheist on it, formal debates, and. Um, you have to have a standard of truth by, by which you can judge what is or is not true or better. And just by anybody even entering into the debate, the secular humanism or Christianity superior, you automatically lose a debate because you have to have a universal standard by which you can judge in order to answer the question. But humanism is uh, atheistically centered because it removes God from his sovereign kingship and is the throne of his majesty and puts us in place of it. And the result of that, as I said, is works righteousness. Now check this out. This is what the Quran says in Surah 23, 101-103. talks about the trumpet that's blown in verse two, uh, 102. Those whose balance of deeds is good, uh, those heavy, they'll attain salvation, but those whose balance is light, they'll be lost. Okay, that's humanism. That our works can merit something with God. That's humanism. One of the things I'll do when I talk to Christians in churches, and I'll, I'll ask them, I'll talk about this, and I'll say, does... Um, does God, would God ever ask you to do something you can't do? And they always say the same thing, of course not. I say, well, that's good humanist thought. Because you're saying God's actions are based upon what we can or can't do. That's man-centered theology. Would God ever ask us to do anything we can't do? Of course he would. Matthew 5, 48, be perfect, as your Father in Heaven is perfect. Well, I don't know about you, Al. I certainly cannot. My wife is listening to this conversation. I can get her on the air, and she'll say, uh... My husband, he's not perfect. I can't do it. And we have in First Peter one sixteen, God says, be holy, for I am holy. We can't be holy, but he commands it. And the reason he does is because he's the standard, not man is the standard. He's the standard of righteousness, not us. Humanism says God would not make us do or require of us those things we cannot do, because we're the standard of righteousness. Our works, our sincerity, our ideas have to be the standard by which we're going to ultimately judge God, even though we're going to say God's judging us. This is hard to recognize sometimes. It happens definitely in Islam and in Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, in Roman Catholicism, in atheism. But it also happens within the Christian circles and the churches. And I'll be writing a book on it and trying to expose it more and more what it is. But humanism is the threat to mankind. It's man-centeredness, not God-centeredness. It takes different forms. That's a dangerous. Dangerous position. 
Okay. Absolutely. And it tries to always explain our existence. It tries to explain our knowledge and the sources of knowledge. And it tries to even uh, articulate and uh, mandate the, the ethics uh, by which we go by. So all of these things are obviously uh, are extremely important. Uh, it seemed like this is a, a topic that worth really for us to invest even uh, maybe a show or two. So let's lay it aside for now. This is a teaser for people to uh, begin to think about it and maybe even go to your website. Uh, once again, if you're just tuning in, this is Let Us Reason. Uh, I'm Al Fadi, and with me here in studio, our dear brother Matt Slick, the president and founder of Christian Apologetics, uh, uh, basically, resource uh, and resource methods, uh, a ministry, I should say, which is CARM. Uh, research and uh, ministry, uh, C-A-R-M.org. So we want you to uh, go there and learn uh, from the many different fabulous topics that he has, including humanism. Now, brother, uh, let's talk about another topic that usually uh, is um, debated uh, in, in a Christian circle, but uh, not even understood by Muslims, and that's the baptism of Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. Most people don't know why Jesus was baptized. And when I introduce biblical theology to them, uh, most Christians are shocked. One of my favorite things to do is go into a Bible study and uh, or some group of Christians and say, okay, you want me to mess you up in one minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes? Pick, a, pick one. And uh, they get a, a chuckle out of that. And I'll say... Uh, let me ask you some questions, and then I throw stuff out that they're not even aware of. And one of the things I'll do is, is ask various questions, and I'll broach the issue of why was Jesus baptized. And I did this last night, and one guy got it right. As this church, people say, well, he got baptized to identify with us, uh, to do it as an example. Those are wrong answers. And as one guy said, to fulfill all righteousness. That's Matthew 3.15. Great. That's the right answer. He, he looked at Scripture. But what does it mean when it says to fulfill all righteousness? To fulfill what? And that's when people just don't know what to say. Well, to fulfill the Old Testament law. That's what he came to do. He's made it under the law, Galatians 4.4. 4. He never broke the law, First Peter 2.22. Well, just to make it short and sweet, if you go to the Old Testament, you look at Numbers 4, in Exodus 29, Leviticus chapter 8. What you'll find in those chapters is a set of requirements that a man needed to do and be in order to enter into the priesthood. Now, in the Old Testament, what you'll find in those chapters is that in order for a man to enter into the priesthood, he had to be 30 years of age, and Jesus was 30 when he began his ministry. He had to have a verbal blessing given to the man who was entering into the priesthood. My beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. That's the verbal blessing. Oil was put upon the man as an anointing. And the oil represents the Holy Spirit, 1 John 2, 27. Jesus was anointed, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And this is where a lot of people are like, what, really? I'll say, if you go to Numbers 8, 7, it looks like what happened is that the old, in the Old Testament requirements of entering into the priesthood, the priest had to be sprinkled with water, sprinkled. And that's a symbol of the substance upon the person. And Jesus, in my opinion, was sprinkled, not immersed, when he was baptized. In other words, 
Baptism can mean sprinkling. It can mean immersion. I can go into that and discuss that for an hour. But the thing is, it looks like Jesus was entering into the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 6.20 and Hebrews 7.25 says that he's a high priest after the order of Melchizedek who lives forever, forever to make intercession for us, which is why he still has to be a man right now, and most Christians don't know he's a man right now. If he's not a man right now, he can't be saved. He has to be a priest, and you can't be a priest without being a man. And so he's, he's in this, this context here. And so he has to do that. So Jesus was baptized in order, most probably, to enter into the priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek, and he fulfilled the typological requirements of the Old Testament. That's why he was baptized. That's a wonderful way to uh, uh, to discuss. You. You, I, I was tracking with you until you talk about sprinkling. I'm just I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, when I first heard that, I went, "What? Baptism means immersion." But I know it, it can, but I also know where it doesn't in the Bible. And That's right. Shocked when I show it to him. And and by the way, uh, in all in all fairness, I mean uh, to my brother Matt here, he's trying to articulate to anyone who is wondering why would Jesus get baptized. Well, that's what Jesus meant about fulfill all. Notice righteousness. So you have to look at how did Jesus fulfill things that were a shadow of that to come, and therefore he has to have fulfilled all the requirements of the Old Testament. And as our high priest, he definitely has also to adhere and apply all of these requirements as well. So you can go uh, to the book of Numbers, of course, to Exodus, to Leviticus, and read for yourself about the requirement for a priest in particular. And uh, Jesus is no exception. If he came really to fulfill the law, then he is born under the law. It didn't say born above the law. No, born under the law. Therefore, he came to live a perfect life under the law so that he become our perfect sacrifice. And people sometimes lose track of these things and get distracted by nuances that are really meaningless in my view. Anything else, brother, you want to add to this? Or anything that is coming soon to your website? You mentioned something about, sadly, your website has been hacked, so you said something about a brand new website. Can you talk more a little bit about uh, these kind of unfortunate attacks so our people can pray for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the site's 22 years old, and we have had to ban entire Muslim countries. That's where it mainly comes from, and Russia, where uh, there are DOS attacks on the site. And so we had to ban entire countries for days or weeks until the attacks stop, and then um, we continue on. Uh, my wife and I are under heavy attack. Uh, you, you know what it's like. You're in ministry, and this is what it is. So the site's under... Um, like I said, already attack. And so we're hopefully going to release a new version of it on June 1st. That's the schedule, but, you know, it may or may not happen that day. And then we're going to um, do some more work. I'm working heavily on the topic of annihilationism, which is a, a problem in the Christian Church, and uh, other topics I'm working on, doing outlines for people to be able to uh, learn apologetics quickly and to do more videos and stuff like that as well. So, you know, just got all kinds of stuff always to do. I'm getting older and slowing down, but by God's grace, I'll continue to serve him and that he can use this broken vessel for his glory. That's what I ask. Amen, brother. There is no retirement in Christianity. That I can assure you of. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, um, 
Um, let me ask you just a generic question. Are there any worldviews, you mentioned humanism, but are there any other worldviews lately that have been creeping up that you've noticed maybe that they are starting to gain attraction by young generation Christians or young yeah, people in general? Yeah, relativism. Relativism is the idea that truth does not depend upon um, any particular absolute source, but depends upon, this is a form of, of, of humanism, it depends upon your personal preferences and analysis. And logically, it's self-refuting. But uh, most people are not taught critical thought. So here's a question, for example. If you jump high enough, can you touch the moon? And the answer is, yes. People say, well, you can't touch the moon. I said, no, I didn't ask that. I said, if you jump high enough, can't touch the moon? Well, the answer is yes, because otherwise it's not high enough. Simple logic. I try and teach people logic so that they can, um, well, debate and they can refute uh, error. With relativism, for example, the self-reputation of relativism is relativism says what's true for you may not be true for me. Or people have different truths. Well, what if I believe that your truth is always wrong? Am I correct? Well, then what do you do with that? The relativism says... Yeah, I do with the other people. They go, no, that's only true for you. So it's true for me that you're wrong, right? They go, uh, yeah, see, your mind just blew a gasket, didn't it? So they don't know how to think, but they're not taught to think. All you're going to do is do an experiment. Go to TV, watch shows, count how many seconds between the change of the angle of the camera. Just count, 1,001, 1,002. I find this average between two and three seconds. And... With commercials and things like this. Why is that important? Because we're taught not to concentrate. We're taught not to think. We're taught to receive. We're taught to just open your mouth, let your knuckles drag on the ground, and believe whatever's taught to you quickly. And this is what we cannot do as Christians. Christians don't realize that the only reason that we can do anything right is because we have the truth of God revealed in the first work of Christ, written down in the Word of God. Only the Christian worldview can explain everything. All other worldviews, everything, Islam is self-refuting, I can even explain how it's self-refuting. Uh, Mormonism, atheism, relativism, all of them contradict themselves. And because they contradict themselves, it can't be true. Only Christianity and its worldview makes sense of everything. Without the Christian worldview there, without the Christian God there, you cannot justify anything at all as being true. And we need to teach this to the Christians so that they can then become warriors for Christ. And um, we need to get them out there. We need to make them fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. We've got to teach them how to go out and fight with the Word of God and go attack the false lies, the false things out there, and move out into that darkness and bring the light of Christ. That's what Christians are supposed to be doing. But most pastors aren't doing it. Most pastors are babysitting them and giving them a milk toast theology and uh, a hammock uh, as a sermon. And they can feel good and give them a bottle to step on. And I call them diaperinians. They're taught to, to go, wah, wah, feed me, feed me, make me feel good. And uh, instead of getting off their lazy rears and getting out there and changing the world for Jesus Christ, that's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Amen, brother. You're talking about some uh, topics that uh, really are very important. Sadly, uh, it's a handful of people who are 
paying attention uh, to this. And I, I tell people this. I don't mean to be uh, the bearer of bad news, but I see bad news coming soon and I can see the writings on the wall. Uh, if we if we take this approach at the church level, uh, we are sadly and sorely unequipped to deal with the challenges that is to come in the next generation. So, brother, our time uh, is up. And uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, if uh, you have just tuned in, this is Let Us Reason. I'm uh, Al Fadi, and with me here in studio was uh, our dear brother Matt Slick, the president and founder of CARM, C A R M dot org, a fabulous apologetic website. And we discussed a number of topics last week and this week. So we encourage you to go to our website, CRAinternational.com, and just go and listen to the archive and the Let Us Reason. And uh, as always, connect with us uh, uh, in a variety of ways by email or uh, through our Facebook whenever uh, the ban is lifted because I am blocked by Facebook and so on and so forth. We don't want to get into these discussions now, but uh, thank you again, brother, for taking the time uh, to be with us. And uh, I would love to really have you again in the future to discuss many of these topics. Hey, man, I'd love to have you know, love to be able to do that. So anytime, bro. Amen. Uh, thank you, everyone, and have a blessed day. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.